G'day guys, welcome back to Beers and Breakevens. Today we're going to go through the two RFs and the front row forwards. So the last episode of our positional analysis before Timmy trials are here next week. How fucking good. Jesus Christ, mate. How exciting is that? Just to actually have some... And I'm even more excited than prior years because there's a little bit more incentive around them. I feel like they'll be a little bit more official than previous years. So, oh, it's in the air. Mrs. said to me yesterday, she goes, oh, uh, we'll go out on Saturday night before the footy season starts. I said, mm, Dolphins are playing the Capros <laughs> in a trial. And it's Tafade's first game, so no. Sorry. No, we will not be going out for dinner. Apologies. I've got to watch that game on my laptop. Darling, not on I would love to, but work is calling. <laughs> there, are, there are a number of reserve graders I need to watch. I, I need so. to... Uh, I need to put food on the table for Guru Junior. There is a Tafare, a Katoa playing. This is my Super Bowl, unfortunately. <laughs> so I'll see you next year. Yeah. <laughs> uh, guys, Breers and Breakevens once again this year brought to you by Blue Wealth Property. They make investing in property easy for you. Tony's going to be joining us over the next few weeks, and he has got a mammoth announcement coming your way. Uh, the prize and everything we've got, for you guys this year is going to be unbelievable. It's going to be sensational. So cannot wait for that. Bloke in a bar uh, can be last night at 6 p.m. Launched his 50-hour sale, 50% off for 50 hours. So you've still got, with a little bit of quick maths, I'm going to say about 30 hours left, Timmy. Mm, yeah, good quick math, mate. And uh, some poor bugger out there is going to be listening to this after the cutoff and they're going to hear it and just go, oh, why didn't I listen to this podcast earlier? Couldn't Unlucky. Sale. Yeah. So make sure you get on there. Bloke in a bar. Kempi's giving you some unreal discounts with some unreal gear as well. So you've got a few more hours left to get stuck into that. Uh, Mate, I guess before we do start as well, uh, the Supercoach playbook has been flying on YouTube. It has, mate. Yeah, with a bit of guidance from old Grigno over there. It's been – it's going good. So – what we're doing this year is obviously the SC Playbook podcast in studio for the first time, which is really exciting, getting some great people on that. We'll be rotating between the regulars throughout the season. Uh, so that'll be going up there. The beers and break-evens, just doing uh, clips from, from this podcast and throwing up on the channels, a bit shorter and sharper. Uh, and then, uh, of course, from the Bloke in a Bar podcast as well, just the same thing, just clipping up a few short stuff and putting on there. So to go with the SC Playbook podcast, bits and pieces elsewhere. So... Do us a favour and subscribe to the channel. Yeah, make sure you subscribe to Supercoach Playbook. And if you're here at Rugby League Guru, subscribe here as well. So doing us favours all round. Now, mate, uh, went through the CTWs yesterday. I'm still tired. Yeah. That was a lot. A lot of cheapies to... A lot of cheapies to put red lines through and uh, ward people off from. Alternatively, they all come out and average 100 the first few rounds and we, we're out of a job. So yeah. waiting for that to happen. But there was a lot. There was a lot. Waiting for that to happen regardless. But <laughs> I'm sure that could be another catalyst. Enjoy it while it lasts, yeah. mate. Uh, mate, today we've got two RFs front row four. We are going to go through the two RFs first. I think they're a little bit more prominent, a little bit more important, um, a lot more interesting. Front row four, it's a bit of a fucking basket case. But uh, we'll get to that soon. But... Two RFs, mate. Um, a few cheapies floating around here. Uh, we're not quite sure uh, how it's all going to land, you know, with the Melbourne Storm back row and Parramatta's back row. So a lot of question marks. I think that probably these two positions, potentially more so than any other trials, are going to be super important. That's it, mate. Just finding out that the roles people, and we'll touch obviously on front row forward after, but... Just minutes of front rowers is so, so important. And the other thing with front rowers around their minutes, what the round one benches look like, what the rotations are going to look like. Is there a utility on there? You know, 
aside to the name of four forward bench for round one, almost puts a line through certain players as well. So big watch there. And uh, second row forward, it's a fun position. It, it's great because there's so much upside to certain players. Uh, there's a lot of top dollar players that you like. Oh, surely they've got to regress in price after big years, but we've seen time and time again that doesn't always happen. So I can't wait to get stuck into this. And I think with 2RF, mate, there's a couple of guys that I think are must-have guys automatic that are reflected in the ownership um, percentage. But then there's underneath that, there's a lot of punts that you can take here. Mm. And I don't think there's any obvious, obvious standout. So there's there's a lot lot to dive into here. I guess, mate, uh, we'll start with the guns here for two RFs. Now, how many guns do you think you'll be starting with? One, two, yeah, forward three, or do you think that one or two is sort of the magic spot? As it stands, I've got one. Uh, if Luke Garner doesn't get sort of the big role that we anticipate, like let's say, I think Garner will... We've already spoken a bit about him. If he were to get named on the bench round one and say Hosking or Sorensen, I don't think it'll happen. But if they were to get that role, that would be a bit of a spanner in the works because then you're sort of starting to look a little bit slim there. I currently have one gun locked in. There's a few that I really like, but I'm spending up around my spine at this stage, not in my back row. But there's a really good case that, you know, while it might not be the high ceiling position of, of halves and fullback and that sort of thing, you know, you can get some consistent big scores as well. It's yeah. it's a tough one. But at the moment, one gun in my back row. And when we are talking about, you know, some of them do have a bit of upside. One of them definitely has for feeder. Is he the one that you've got He's in your He's the team? one that I've yeah, got plugged in at the mind. moment. Yeah. And, it, and even there, you say gun, it's like, oh, who bloody knows what he's going to come out with. So Yeah, but, mate, in saying that, frustrating as all fuck last year. 66 average, the same Not as Angus bad. Crichton. <laughs> so um, pretty wild. Uh, now, for Fida, 689K, which is a lot of coin. But for him, I'm not sure if it is a lot of coin. Mm. If you get him at – I don't even – even if you don't get him at his best, if you get him at 70%, there's a bit of value there. Uh, obviously, the side has changed a lot, a lot of changes. I was hoping he would get Foles. He's got Tanner Boyd, which I don't hate. He's got a history with him. I think that my next dot point just summarises for Feeder. Can't do worse. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I, I think I think worst-case scenario is a 55 average, in which case he loses a little bit of money. It's like, and, you know, you can cop that. But, I think a lot would have to go wrong for him to drop yeah, to 55, though. Yeah, so 65 average priced on 85 the year before. We've touched on a few times, of course, in our teams and whatnot. Contract year for David Fafida. I love that for him because he's going to come out and play. Like, if I remember before he signed his last contract, there was talks of what is this bloke worth? Like, how much do you pay for David Fafida? Because... You could be one of the rare forwards that you pay a million plus for. That was the chat at the time. Yeah. And you now you see now in the last two years, you know, not a chance you'd pay that. If he comes out the first ten rounds and demolishes opposition, the same conversations will be had, you know it. And he knows that, he's not stupid. Yeah. So I just think he's gonna come out so fired up, looking to make a statement as anyone would in a contract year. So yeah. And not only is it a big year for him, but Tanner Boyd's been given an opportunity here. Mm. I just can't imagine Tanner Boyd sitting back and letting Fafita float around and not fucking like he's he's got to get him into gear. Yeah, he's got to. He's just all, all Tanner Boyd has to do is show that he can use Fafita, mm. utilize him. Which 
I know it sounds easy. It's easier said than done based off what we've seen the last few years. But I, I think Fafita. Get the best out, get the best out of Dave Fafita and uh, you can stay in this team for as long as you want. As I mean, as don't, don't care if you kick shit, tackle shit. Just get the best out of Dave Just Fafita. get the best out of him. So uh, I like the feeder. I'll be starting with him. I I think I'm just too scared to start without him. That's it, mate. We uh, rabble on about upside players. He's got the best upside of any back rower and forward by a big margin. A distance. Yeah. Angus Crichton, 66 average, the same. He's, uh, he's a touch more expensive. He's about 8K more expensive than Fafita. Uh, he's got the buy-in round four. Uh, we spoke about it with CTWs. He's obviously got Suoliti on his edge there. Are we assuming that, that that edge sees more ball? I think so. And I touched on in yesterday's podcast on Daniel Tupo and the benefit he had with Luke Keary moving to the left edge. Well, Angus Crichton is far more significant. So as you said, 66 average last season. He averaged 85 points per game when Keary made that move to the left edge, which is substantial. 85. Yeah, yeah. So he's a guy that... I don't think I'll be starting with him primarily for the reason that, as you said, they've got that buy. And it's it's a great thing about the buys this year is that you can't stack too much from one team. Yep. So I'll, at this stage, I'll be starting with James Tedesco, Brandon Smith, possibly Daniel Tupu. If I was throwing Angus Crichton in there as well, oh, it's a lot of money on the pine for round four. So Angus Crichton scored... <laughs> He didn't score a try last season in the first 18 rounds. Luke Keary came back around 19 and he scored five tries in the run home yeah. and averaged 80, what did I say, 88 or something. So, oh, it's a big case. Oh, mate, it's a huge case, 100%. I, you know, without going over what we said the other day, I'm worried that there's there might be too many mouths on that left edge. Mm. But... I just think Angus, he is such a tremendous player. There is always going to be opportunities there for he, him somewhere. He's the one that I see because he runs just that outstanding line. I'm talking myself in him as we go. Yes, too many mouths to feed, but similar to what Andrew Davey and like a left edge or any edge back rower, to be honest, at Manly would do when Tommy Turbo's firing. Yep. Because he takes up so much attention out the back and people are worried about that, they just slide off the hard lead running um, back row just that little bit and it opens up opportunities for him just to guide through holes. So when you've got James Tedesco going out the back, Suwali'i, Tupa on the outside, maybe Joe Maru roaming around there, Luke Keary feeding it all, who invariably gets the right option every time, short ball Crichton over. So... I don't know if the two – I think the two million mouse feed could work in his favour because yeah, of the possibly. potency. So yeah. 66 average. The two years prior, he averaged 75 and 76, 2021. That anomaly year, the high scoring. But, ooh. yeah, I, I think I'm, I'm willing to say Angus Crichton will be a 70-plus player at minimum next year. Yeah, so to start with him, I'd probably have to cull another rooster from my team. And thinking out loud here, obviously, but – it would probably mean starting without Daniel Tupu, which I'm okay with. He's not locked into my team at this stage, but yeah. I said you can't have too many. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it would be an interesting guy. He's obviously got the buy round four, origin will then roll around. So uh, plenty to consider, but such a good player. Cam Murray. You had coffee with him yesterday morning. 
You've mentioned it about 14 fucking times from memory. It's going to happen. That wasn't even the back row. It was podcast. <laughs> Cam Murray, 749K. So a little bit more expensive than these guys with a 71 average from last year. Uh, it should be noted. He obviously had that game. I think it was the last round of the season where he got knocked out. He scored one. One, yeah. You take that out, you're looking at a 74-point high something average. So 75 average, essentially, Cam Murray. I don't think I'll start with Murray, but uh, and I think I can probably – Tattoo this on every Supercoach player out there. At some point, I will have Cam Murray. Oh, and I hope that point is very early on in the season because last season I had him in my side all preseason, and then he sat out the trials and was apparently you know a little bit limited training because I think it was a hamstring niggle going into round one. And I just thought, oh, too much risk for that price, so I avoided him. He started the year with a very tough run against Brisbane, who ended up being good at that point. Storm, Roosters, and Panthers. He went 54, 76, 129, and 76. Mate, he's so good. He's owned by 20%. That's that's a little bit higher than what I probably expected at that price. It's a big price tag to pay, mate, and that's the thing. It's, so the Bunnies have got that hard draw to start the year, but like that's Cam Murray. It doesn't really impact him. To be honest, it probably just means that they'll be involved in tired games. There will be no blowout score lines, and he plays bigger minutes. So... Look, I love the bloke, but at that price, I'm happy to to hopefully wait that he comes down a little bit. It is interesting to see Cam Murray at 749k, 20% ownership. Angus Crichton, who's 50k cheaper at 10%. Yeah, it is. Very interesting. Yeah. Um, Yeah, and you've got Fafita that's even lower than that as well. I can't see him at the moment, but yeah, very, very interesting. Uh, Okay, this one. 831k, a lot of Bicky to pay for a West Tigers back rower, Isaiah Papali'i. Uh, 2021, he was incredible. We said he can't possibly do it again in 2022. Mm. I'd argue he got better. Um, going to the Tigers, though, I just it's a 79 average. The he's you know scored 14 tries. Uh, sorry, I'm looking at the wrong one. Uh, Isaiah Papali'i going to the Tigers. I just think to me that even if we're wrong. I don't think it's going to cost you not having him. So I'm happy to sit and wait. Yeah, where where it costs you is, I suppose, you know, if he holds his price or thereabouts and he's punching out 80s early on and 90s early on, it can hurt you a little bit. And I hadn't even looked twice. I hadn't double-checked on Isaiah Papalit when I was going through my back row options because of the price and going to a new club. The fact that he scored so many tries the last two seasons – on the podcast, SC Playbook podcast during the week, Desi Creek mentioned, brought him up and said, I'm generally tempted to start with him because, as you said, Guru, we said the same thing last year. Yep. Couldn't possibly do it again. Not a chance. Who are we all scrambling for after four or five rounds? It's different this year in that he's not available at front row. So he's yep. going up against some elite back rowers. He may well be the best of them, but he's still starting. As you said, he might hurt a little bit, but he, I. I don't think he can go up in value from a 79 average. That's what I mean when I say I don't think he can hurt. Yeah. Like you're still going to have to pay that amount of money at some point. Yeah. I think you can generate cash elsewhere yeah. and then move to him eventually. I don't think he's going to get higher than 850K. Exactly right. And, you know, he had a terrific combination with Mitchie Moses on the right edge at Para. One of the hardest combinations, because it's all about timing to get right, is that Hard line running back rower off their new halfback just to get in sync with each other. It'll take time. We believe he'll be he'll be right side running off Adam Dewey. No, he's going to be left. He'll be left yeah. off 
Luke Brooks. Okay, so I prefer him off Brooks, so I don't mind yeah. that. But again, it'll take time, so no, nah, I can't fork yeah. that out. Still not in a top four team like he was last nah. year. And I, I always, and I, I once again, I understand we said this in 2020, at the start of 2022, yeah. I worry guys coming off career years. I really worry guys coming off career years out of nowhere, getting the big contract, going to a lesser club. Mm. Just a lot. Of, I hope I'm wrong. Just a lot of red flags there at that price when you can get your Angus for what is it, 150k less? Yeah, I know where it's I'm a going. Whack with a better draw. And I also reckon that as more and more people start to work out, fuck, not as many C2W cheapies. I don't know if you're going to be able to play 830k for a punt in the two RS. Exactly that. That say you wanted to go cry and the what 150 odd plus k that you can save on that that you can distribute across your CT dub. That could be pretty handy. Yeah, for sure. Uh, mate, Hudson Young. Might be a little pod play here. Uh, one of your boys down there in the Canberra Raiders. We're both mm. huge, huge fans of him. 704k. Another guy potentially coming off a career year. Um, base stats, 41 per year. Last year, though, four, 14 tries. Love him. Tough to match, though, I think. Mm. Great pod because he does have the upside. And he's just so goddamn good. But that is a lot of tries for a back rower. Yeah. Um, again, where, where there's so many great options in the back row that you, you speak about career years, how good he was. Well, can he replicate it? I think he can. Can he average more than he did? Will he replicate the amount of tries? Probably not. The problem is, of course, you mentioned his base. He needs the attacking stats. He really does. So he'll have his 100-plus scores, but he'll also have his... 40s and his 50s. Yeah. So if I'm paying 700k for someone, I want a, that locked in 60 odd every week with the upside of 100 plus. So I can't do it, but you know, there's merit in going well if he does come out and replicate it and then some, he could be an improver. Credit to Hudson Young. He finished the season with a 67 point average. As I said, he scored 14 tries. Mm. He scored almost half of them. So he scored six of those 14 tries in the last four weeks. The entire season before that, he still averaged. 62. So not bad. Yeah. But you still are going to lose a bit of value there and yeah. whatnot. I think at some point, we'll be looking at Hudson Young. Yeah. I, think, I think there will be a period of time. He'll be a Sivitalico sort of guy that if you can time it properly, there, yeah. it could be unreal. Yeah. There'll be yeah. there'll be blocks of tries yes. and scores. So yeah, it's just all timing. Um, Colin Tungi at the South Sydney Rabbitohs. Uh, I kind of feel a little bit similar with him as I do with Hudson Young coming off a bit Very of a similar. year. Yeah. Um, there's only $3,000 difference between them. Um, I hear people say that he's got Elias now. He's more experienced. I I don't see much changing for Colum and Tungy. Yeah, I suppose the only thing is scored seven tries last year. I thought that would have been more. Um, so, yeah, so, again, it's a big price tag. Seven tries for back row is still a good knock. Though. Absolutely like, it is, I yeah. think we get carried away with, your Hudson's, yeah. your lanes. For feet. Like, Doesn't seven's matter. a good knock. Yeah, it yeah. is. It definitely is. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I can't see myself paying out for Keon at that price. <laughs> Another one who will absolutely be an option down the track, but I don't know. His base is 47, which is pretty solid, but it just doesn't excite me at this stage. A guy that uh, was very, very hot in 2022. His partnership with Dill Brown was unbelievable. Mm. 724K, not much changes for him. Sean Lane, uh, 69 average last season. Can the Giraffe do it again? 
I think that he possibly can. Uh, he's He was outstanding last year. Like, there were times where he was just toying with them. They, they didn't know what to do with the big boy. And so in the he started off the season playing close to 80 minutes. There were a few games lesser. And once he really found his feet by early to mid-season, he averaged 78 across the final 14 games of the year. And he's para have a tough draw early on. He's pretty match-up proof. Like, he was scoring big against the harder opposition. So I think draw's pretty irrelevant to him. Uh, again, he's, he's, top, he's top dollar, but could he be a bloke who's starting under value? Yeah, maybe. Um, I won't start with him, but I can see the appeal in it because big upside, big ceiling. He's so locked into an 80-minute role for, the, for them there, especially Maddo's out early. They lose Isaiah Papali'i, so early showers with a tough draw as well. I think his minutes are safe. I think that we spoke about it a few weeks ago that obviously by planning everything has changed this year. I think that smart supercoach players will be lining up a Dill Brown, Sean Lane combination yeah, during the yeah. origin period. Playing all three of the big buy rounds. Yeah, that'll be so, a big target. So that's the thing. Um, yeah, and I suppose I'm set on probably Dave Vafita in my back row and then possibly, possibly Angus Crichton. I'm just like, well, I can't, I don't think, fit a third gun in there. But, you know, a lot of people may be thinking, thinking similar to I, which might make Lane a you know, less than 10% pod. Yeah, for sure. Now, one guy that I am looking at, I don't mind him as a little pod, Olukowatu from the Manly Seagulls. 682K. Mm. Finished last year with a 65 average. Um, reasons why I like him. You have a look after Jersey Gate last year. The remaining seven games, he averaged 54. Leading into that, he averaged 68. Uh, and I just think with four and gone, I think that Ches is a pretty ball-dominant guy, and I believe he'll become more ball-dominant. And we we know how much he loves to use this guy. Depending on how, I probably won't start with him, but he's a guy that I'm going to be keeping a very, very close mm. eye on. I'm a big fan of Olukowato. Yeah, I was a little bit burnt by that last sort of five rounds, five, six rounds last year after Jersey Gate. Uh, what do you have, one, ten or so tries last year. But he's so good that I'm like, well, I can see him replicating that yeah. tries. He also scored a lot of tries just diving on kicks last season. So while the try stats are there, they, a lot of them weren't bolstered by the line break to go with it, um, which is quite significant. Mm. Another one there, I mentioned the back rolls at Manly, the benefit of Tommy Trebojevic being there, how good it is to be running a line with Tommy sweeping out the back. Yeah. It's just a good spot to be. So, look, I just don't know what to make of Manly at this stage. I, I just want to see them play. I want to see Tommy get through a few games. But, yeah, mate, he, he's a super coach gift. Yeah. Plus tackles, offloads, attacking upside, base of 42. It's okay, but I'm probably more confident on him than most back guys in super coach that they will get attacking stats each game. So, yeah, smoky. Speaking of attacking stats, should we get into, in my opinion, the biggest trap heading into season twenty? Jeremy, my nano, let's go. Thank you. Let's do it. <laughs> Seventeen we, we... tries for an average of sixty-two. Yeah. What the fuck? Yeah. How? It's impressive. Yeah. I challenge anyone out there to find me someone that has scored more than fifteen tries in a season and has averaged oh. below sixty-two. Base of thirty-eight for a, for an eighty-minute back rower. That's nothing, is it? No, it's awful. It's And I mean, on top of that, 
I think I read on the weekly rubdown of those 17 tries, nine of them were off kicks. Yeah. 17. That's it. I, mate, the, I'm getting team sent to me with Nanai in it. Well, have you got an ownership there for him? I'll find it for you. Keep talking. Just because uh, I'm the same, mate. 10%. Yeah, I don't like it. He's the same as Angus. I suppose the only... For the same price. I suppose the idea is really soft draw to open up. That was his breakout year. Clearly a star in the making if he's not there already. You know, does he just continue... Is he one of them blokes where you, you look at the negatives... But he's like Latrell where yeah, it doesn't matter if he has a tough draw. It doesn't matter if he's missing this by this but He's just a gun and he'll find his attack. I don't think so. But I don't know. He's not for me, mate. Yeah, I, I'm very, very surprised. In saying that, the Cowboys do have this very good it's draw. It's a good draw. It's a very flat track. Mm. It might be perfect for Nanai. But yeah, when you have a look around the room at the other options you can get around the same price, I just, I mean, for 100K cheap, you can get Adam Elliott. Yeah. I, I think a nanai, bringing nanai into your team is madness. Um, now, another guy that could be interesting this year, he's obviously a tremendous footballer, Paddy Carrigan. Mm. 654K, 62 average last year. Marty Tapao's joined the club a few days ago. I don't think Marty's got huge minutes in him anymore, but there is a rumour going around that we could see Flegler wind up at the Manly Seagulls to start this season. Now, that's gonna if that was to play out, there's going to be huge implications, not only on 2RF, but on front row forward as well. He becomes very enticing all of a sudden, Flegler, if he ends up down there. But I think it also really does help Pat Carrigan up at the Brisbane Broncos. Uh, shout out to the weekly rubdown, sent me this stat. Uh, last year, when he played between 60 to 70 minutes, he averaged 73. Those numbers are pretty fucking incredible. How many games did he do that? What was he doing playing 70 minutes? Don't know. But when he did, played that many minutes. So whether he does or not, um, I probably doubt it. But if he can start to push into that high 65 sort of mark, be very interesting. Mate, I love the rubdown boys, but he didn't play more than 58 minutes in a game last season. Are they talking shit? I reckon they've got you. I reckon they've got you and they've backed you not to double check it. Had a top of 58 minutes. No, it was in their notes. Interesting. All right. Nadia Mooker. Timmy's called you out. Yeah, I've got you. In saying that, I'm probably looking at like 2017 stats or something. And yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, no. So, I don't know. Oh, I, to be honest, I don't mind him anyway. I think he's a tremendous I like footballer. And if there is, if they are a front row short there, he um, he is looking. Yeah, you are looking. Like, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. So, uh, Pat Carrigan last year. Uh, when he played 69 Oh, I minutes. thought you were talking about Tom Flegler. No, Carrigan. Carrigan. Uh, oh. Well, it's a fun four minutes. What? Mate, you're like chopping and changing willy-nilly like that. Jesus Christ. Try and keep up with your kid, for fuck's sake. <laughs> Pat Carrigan. Games that he uh, plays over 60 minutes. Uh, have you got anything you want to say I'm, to uh, I'm, the great Nadia Mooker, by the way? No. Any apologies to hand out? You're a shit host, no, mate. You apologise. Please. I was like, Tom Flegler, 70 minutes. Yes, please. Sure. Pat Carrigan, when he plays 60 to 80 minutes or 60 to 70 minutes, 73 average. Pretty fucking handy there if he is able to get those big minutes. Uh, Didn't score a single try last Mm. year either, so it is all base with a little bit of upside. Pretty impressive. Yeah, 53 base. I wish he was at front row. Uh, I I would just nearly pick and stick 
for the season just about if he was front row. I just, I'm so... Flegler is front row, isn't he? <laughs> oh, I'm done. I'm done. Yeah, so we'll wait and see how that domino yeah. falls. But yeah, if he had the duel, uh, different I, conversation. I just, I'm all about chasing upside in Supercoach. Yeah. It's like Pat Carrigan, you know, five to ten years ago when Supercoach was so base at dominant in yep. his scoring, he would be like the gift from the gods. And that doesn't mean he's not a, a good buy this year. I just, I don't see any upside in him. Like, what what do we think his ceiling is? Maybe a hundred. If he plays sixty five to seventy minutes and he bangs out sixty to sixty five in base in a game, you know, if he scores with a line break on top of that, he might just eclipse a hundred. Yeah, fair. He could average seven. Could easily average seventy and have like sixty plus in base, which makes him a very solid buy. But when we look at Lane, Crichton, Murray. These blokes could score hat tricks and set up two to go with it and go one fifty plus and I I will chase the upside. I wish he was front row. Shall we move on? From who? From that or Carrigan? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, our next guy is Tohu Harris. Did, did, did you get that? Got the name, yeah? We're all good? We're done with Tom Flegler. Tohu Harris, uh, 640K, 61 average last year. He is dual position. That helps. Mate, I've got to tell you, and I might be proven wrong, I think this is who Harris is now. I, I'm not sure if he's got that 70 sort of average in him anymore. I think he's going to be a 60-point sort of guy. What are your thoughts? They were just those two years, such outliers, and I don't know. I feel a bit harsh saying outliers because he did back it up, 20, 20 to 21, 69 points per game with just enormous base stats. From memory, not a lot of attacking stats in that time. I still don't know how he did it. It was, that was such huge years. He's, he's getting on. He's had his fair share of injuries. 15 games last two seasons. I just, I don't know. I, I, I'm not keen. 31 this year. Uh, Dylan Walker joins the club. I think mm-hmm. he'll play a bit of a middle role. That could impact his minutes a little bit as yeah. well. So uh, I think Torhu's a great player, but I think 60 uh, – I wouldn't be surprised if his average never drops below 58 but never goes above 62. Yeah, yeah. He's Spot that sort on. of guy. So Spot very on. consistent. The duel helps. There's no doubt about it. But, you know, similar to Pat Carrigan, he doesn't have that huge upside either in him. Yeah, the um, the duel's interesting in, in terms of – I still don't want to start with him, but he could become very relevant – you know, by round 10, yeah. if there's no standouts in the front row and he's pumping up big base and averaging, you know, 65, 70. Um, but for round one, not yet. Mate, the last one that I'd probably put in, you know, the potential gun category that over 600K is Johnny Bateman. 622K, you know, he's, he's priced at a 59 average. I think he's two seasons. He was a 72 mm. average, something yep. along those lines. Um I think 622K is a lot scarier than it seems. 59 for him is definitely achievable. How far above that he gets, I'm not convinced. Uh, just from you know the brief moments that I watched in the Super League, I don't know if he is still the same guy, uh, but everything in my body says don't doubt John Bateman. Mm. So that's what holds me back. I don't think I'll start with him. I think you'd be pretty ballsy to start with him. You'd know more than me on this guy, though. What do you reckon? Yeah, I can't do it uh, just yet. 
based 50 in 2020, so we know he has attacking upside. So it's like if you do take the gamble on him, what's his base going to be? He based 50 back in 2019 as well. So I just... It just seems like a gamble that's not worth taking for me at this stage. I... I don't know, said he's not getting any younger. There's a reasonable amount of strike weapons at the Tigers this year. Obviously, Appy's gone in there. Adam Dewey, he'll get a lot of ball. Um, with Dewey getting a lot of ball, does that help Bateman? Well, yeah, probably. I just, I don't know. There's there's new combinations to come in there. There's a bit of, not a bit of talk. I don't even know if he's out in Australia. That that, that got, was there visa issues or complications that he did? I don't think he's here yet. He's not I here I think he'll yet. be here in the next few days, but... Less than ideal. Yeah. Um all that being said, the 59 average he's been based on, you're like, well, they've looked after him. It's pretty good. So I'm happy to hold off and watch him early on, but go for it. He's yeah. fun. He's a fun dude to own. He's a fun dude to own, 100%. But he like, does those crabbing across field where he just fends off 15 blokes. And that's where if he plays lock, mm. he's more appealing to me. I think he'll have more touches, and I think he can be a little bit more selfish. He'll have the ball when he wants it, essentially. Yeah. Or if he's if he's on an edge, I mean he has done well there in the past, but I, yeah, I'd prefer him for that third. He eight. could be a based up monster at lock. Give yes. him a minute, yeah. Like, and he's so fit and such an animal, such a competitor, John Bateman that uh, he could be one of the biggest minute locks in the NRL. He's not that big a bloke, so I think he's got the motor to do it. If he plays lock and plays seventy plus minutes, possible, he could have like a sixty five seventy base. Yeah. And then we'll uh, we'll reassess. But again, let's see how how it plays out. Mate, the next guy is a very interesting one coming into this year. Nat Butcher from the Sydney Roosters. Um, I would suggest he will start on the right edge. Uh, I think Satili Tupanua won't return in the first month, month and a half, maybe two months or so. Mm. Uh, so there will be an opportunity for Nat to start on that right edge. Uh, finished last year with a fifty-five point average in eighty-minute games. He had a sixty-six point average. Uh, obviously had a huge outlier game that night that the Roosters pulled the Tigers apart. Yeah. Four tries. He Four scored. tries, 140 points. Incredible. When you take that out, still a 60-point average, still very mm. solid. Um, I like Nat. I, I, once again, I wonder if that right edge is where you want to be for the Roosters this year. If Suwali is mm. there and Manu is through the middle, on the left, whatever the fuck it might be. I think you saw at the back end of last year that Suwalee got a lot less ball on the right because Manu was always somewhere else. I just worry that might be the same case with Nat Butcher. We also know that Sam Walker, he's going to throw a pass. It's probably going to be a 15-metre pass. It will cut out six blokes. It will. I I love Nat Butcher. He's a very good footballer, but I think that people are getting a little bit overexcited. What are your thoughts? Yeah, when did you say Tupanua was due back? I, I think it's May. Okay, so he'll get a decent crack at it. But, I mean, he's going to come back and he's not going to have a preseason. I, and, I, I mean, I, I, I think that he outplayed um, Tupanua last yeah. year anyway. Yeah. I, um, I, I'm more worried about Josh Wong taking yeah. minutes off Butcher than um, Tupanua, go. to be honest with you. Yeah. And then if is Wong an out-and-out edge? He can sort of play anything, but I, I think he will be an edge. Because that's the thing with Butcher – He'll, I think he's probably an 80-minute edge player until Tupanua comes back, but he can also be rotated through the middle if need be. He's just he bases 40, based 43 last season. Now that was in that was as a 63 minutes per game. Yep. 
So as an 80-minute player, that maybe ups a little bit, but he also spent time at lock last season where his base was better. He had a game last season playing 80 minutes at lock where he based 70. So I don't know if he did switch to an edge at some point in that, but holy jeez, that's a lot of base. But on the edge, he doesn't quite get the base for me, and he's attack reliant. So um, I can see the appeal, but not for me. Yeah. Um, yeah, getting really into sort of your mid-range sort of guys, one that I, I like this year, Adam Elliott, 564K. Uh, I think he needs to get 60 minutes at 13. But I think when I look at that Knights pack, I think they'd be crazy not to play him for 60-odd minutes. The worry is you got Kurt Mann on the bench. I think he'll come in and play a 13 role. Where does Adam Elliott go? Does he shift in the front row? They are light on middle forwards there as mm. well. So if if I know Adam Elliott's going to play 60 minutes, uh, I think he's very, very exciting heading into next year. Yeah, and... That's so 52 minutes last season. He has a bit of attacking upside. Not a heat, but enough. He's tough bloke to tackle, Adzi. He... Yeah, I, I just want to watch early on and, and yep. see the minutes, unless we get some confirmation of it. Um, I don't know. I, I'm a lot keener on other players, to be honest, at, yeah, this, uh, at this stage. Uh, if the minutes come, he's got the motor to play big minutes. That's the thing. So if he did push to a 60, even 65, probably a bit ambitious, well then, sweet, let's lock him in. But I want to see it unfold first. I, I think I could definitely see 60 minutes. Mm. Above that, you know, 65, 70, you're probably heading into tough to, especially 70, obviously. Yeah. But I reckon that we can get 60 minutes out of him. And I also think that, you know, as soon as there's a HIA or anything in this team, I think he'll be the guy that they'll turn to and go, we need you. Yeah, we need you to play big here. So I reckon we can find this one out for round one as well. I'm confident we can. Yeah. So uh, we'll see how that plays out. Uh, mate, another one I want to chuck in there, 480K. And uh, like, I'm not sure if he's got a role at the Canberra Raiders. CHN, so much talent, so much upside, so much fucking ability. But does he have a spot? Like, so average 40, sorry, 53 minutes last season per game. If Elliot Whitehead or Hudson Young went down in preseason, he'd be close to the most purchased player for round one. Bit of an exaggeration, but he'd be very popular, and, he, and his stocks would go through the roof. He's so, such a good super coach scorer. Again, bust tackles, offloads like a maniac. Such a good footballer. So there's a lot of attacking upside there. Uh, he's going to be coming off the bench. Um, at this stage, there was a bit of hope that maybe he takes the lock roll vacated by that man, Adam Elliott. Uh, that's now looking more likely to be Emre Gula or Corey Horsburgh. So I don't think the minutes are going to be there initially, but if they do open up, and look, he's he's that good that he may work his way into a bigger minute role, whether that be, I think, 80-minute edge or a big-minute edge player, he would need an injury. Big-minute lock role would just be a dream come true. So not at this stage, but a bit of a watch-this-space kind of one with CHN. Tarek Sims arriving down at the Melbourne Storm. A lot of people very excited about him. 470K. That's a 45-point average. Personally, I don't think you're going to gain much money on him. I don't think he's going to – he's got the ceiling to be thought about either. I, I just think, unfortunately, Tarek Sims, he's, I think he's always sort of been super coach-wise, just a bit of a nothing player. Yeah. He's never had huge base about him. Uh Average 59 minutes last season, so I suppose if he takes up an 80-minute role this year, there's there's improvement to be had. But 
just doesn't often find his way into attacking stats. Day. He's more of an enforcer of a back rower. Um, big presence in defence, runs a good hard line. But, yeah, I I don't like him. I, I think there's the, the other edge back row spot at the Storm is the one that we'll be looking at. Uh, guy that we've already touched on a little bit, which will be a huge watch in the World Club Challenge. We've got Luke Garner, 435k, 41 average last year. Uh, games that he played 80 minutes at the Tigers, 47 point average. Um, my eye test says that at the Panthers, this guy could be a 60 point to RF. But the way that I do see this Panther edge playing, I think that he might become what Isaac was last year, running that big decoy. Once again, we'll be able to see it in World Club Challenge what it's going to look like. Um, I think that he's got potential to be a tremendous 2RF for us. But I also do think there's a world where he could be a little bit frustrating. Yeah, I really like him. And at that 435k price tag, I just don't see any downside in it. Like... People are saying Scott Sorensen has earned himself a starting role. I think that they love him as an impact player off the yep. bench and he'll stay in that. And a lot of people have always said, oh, you know, he comes on on the edge, so where do his minutes go? I was like, well, no, he doesn't really. He can when needed, but Scotty Sorensen will come on wherever's required and he often plays through the middle, which is that nimble footwork, gets the quick play of the balls. Uh, so put out a Panthers analysis on site last or during the week and – saying how Kikau and Martin were preferred as 80-minute edge back rowers. Well, the stats would say, I think they were around about maybe 72 each per game, but, you know, there's restings around origin um, for Martin coming into that. There's HIAs, there's injuries, all sorts of stuff. So when the stats might say that, well, the idea is that Ivan clearly likes having 80-minute back rowers. And that's William Kikau, who, while he was vitally important to the team, He's a big boy. Like, you don't necessarily want him playing 80 minutes. So Luke Garner, we know, has 80 in him. Priced on a 41-point average in 66 minutes last year. He now goes to, you know, the best team in the NRL. 2020-2019, he averaged 56 and 58. That was in 72 and 62 minutes at the Tigers. Slots himself onto the left edge at the Panthers, even if he does play 60 minutes. And Hoskins or Sorensen pot on there, get on there for 20 minutes. I, not too much can go wrong, can it? Yeah, and I, I very highly doubt he's going to play 60. I think that that was because it was kick out. Yeah. I can't say that. So you've eased me. You've eased me a lot, mate. Yeah, there was just – I copped more flack on it than I, than I sort of anticipated. And it sort of sat there and went, all right, always great to get point of views. And I may be wrong. Um, but like I said, kick out averaged 76 minutes last year and he's a behemoth. He's going to have about 30 kilos on Luke Garner. So I don't see why Luke Garner can't be an 80-minute player. Yep, fair shout. Um, mate, over at the Warriors, one that I haven't really heard too many people talk about, uh, Nair Corey came out and said mm. the other day he's not going to play in the centres. So if he does line up in the second row, hasn't been a huge 80-minute guy throughout his career, but he has played in a couple of times. I uh, went through the games where he has played 80 minutes on an edge, 50-point average. Um I just, once again, I test. I feel like this is a guy that has a lot more to offer. I just wish he wasn't at the Warriors. It's a real eye test thing, yeah. isn't it? And that's about it. Like He's such a good footballer. He now gets his big minute opportunity. But even last season, he averaged 58 minutes for 41 points at Para, who were killing it. Um, sorry, that was 2021. Apologies. 2022, 40 points per game in 44 minutes per game. He needs, at the very least, 65 minutes to even 
hold value, I think. Yeah. If he gets 80 minutes and that's his role, all right, we're talking. Like, there's upside there. I think he needs that 80. I think he needs 80 as well. Um, I don't know if he'll get it at this stage. I think if he's the right edge back outside Sean Johnson, I think that's a great spot to be. We know how good back rolls are off SJ. Which I I think he would be. I think Mitch Barnett will be on the left, I reckon. Yeah. So, great spot to be. Even an older SJ still knows how to square up a defender and put a bloke into a hole. So, look... I'm happy to watch him the first two weeks and see him go 80 minutes to 80 minutes with decent base and get a good combo with SJ, and then I'll jump on round three at a very affordable rate if needed. Speaking of Warriors, back rowers scoring tries, the next guy, Eli Katoa, makes the move from the Warriors to the Melbourne Storm. A lot of hype. A lot of hype around Eli Katoa. And, I mean, if you go back to that 2020 season, you can understand why. I had a look through his games when he plays 60-plus minutes in 2020. It's like a 70-point average. Jesus. He was incredible back then. Um, ever since, And I was very, very high on him. Ever since then, I've just seen a lot of red flags with mm. Katoa. Uh, I know he's going to Melbourne. I know they've got a history of turning these guys into superstars. Let's call it as it is. They haven't over the last two years. Yep. I'm a little bit worried if Katoa's going to be the guy we all think he is. I'm a little bit worried if Katoa's the guy that Bellamy can trust. What are your thoughts? Yeah, and that's what people are relying on is... The magic dust. The magic dust of, of Belliac getting the best out of him. I think the beauty of it is I think we'll know by round one because we'll watch the trials and we're just going to see what Ellie Katoa produces, what minutes he's got in him, how destructive he looks, how he – I said what minutes he plays, which will tell us, you know, what Belliac thinks of him very early on. Then if he does get named round one to start on the edge and he looked good in trials, like, all right, you know, we can work with this, but a lot of things have to fall into place for this to happen. And, I, I mean, like, we keep saying trials. I, I think just about every team won't play their best team. Yeah. For, so it's going to be trial. Trial. One trial. One trial to make a decision. I still don't know if I can trust this guy for one trial. I think he'll be a guy that I watch for the first two weeks. Yeah. I think there's a real world where we start this Supercoach season and we spend the last three months talking about the Melbourne Storm back row, all these options, and we start with none of them. Yeah. Because I reckon that it could just be... A bit of a clusterfuck. There, as we mentioned, Howarth, Eisenhuth, Sims, so many options. Katoa, so let's see how, how it plays out. And that's if he doesn't pluck an Alec McDonald yeah. or a chance. Who knows? Who knows? It could be fucking anyone. Yeah. Um, all right, Ellie Katoa. Uh, Jermaine Hop, Hop, Hopgood. Jermaine Hopgood. Heard of him? No, I haven't. You, no. you mate? Seen him play? 298K, 28 average last year. I'm going to declare it now. He will be a 55 to 60-point guy this year. I think he's going to absolutely kill it. How happy were you when uh, Maddo didn't get his ban overturned? His fi- the fine he's paying overturned, I should I'm say. I'm happy, but as I've said, I don't think it fucking matters. I think Maddo will come off the bench and play as a middle, and I think this guy will be the 13 long-term. Okay. Well, even now. It helps it, no yeah. doubt about it. it. Was it three or four games, Maddo? Three games. Yeah, so at least there's three games of... Nato's not taking hop there to take Hopgood off, so yes. that's a lot of minutes for him at the very least in the first three rounds. So, yeah, yeah that's lock him into your sides. We spoke uh, last year. He played in the last round, and I said on that show, if you're a draft player, get this guy in. He'll score mm. 50 points. He played 68 minutes. He scored 67 points, 63 in base. Yeah. He's a maniac. Beast. Absolute fucking maniac. Uh, and you'll get to him, obviously, in a minute, but while we're on the topic... 
Sean Lane one edge at Parramatta. Maddo, you're under the belief that he plays off the bench in that middle rotation. I think a lot of people were suspecting he... I think he's Scotty Sorensen. What do you reckon? Well, that means that the right edge back row is probably Jack Murchie. I, I think there's a good chance. Well, Matt, Jack Murchie or... They reckon Matt Dory's going well, which I've yeah. never rated Matt Dory, but I would rather have Murchie. It's, it's a definitely a downgrade, but, I, mate, you watch Parramatta games and... Their most important period is the 20 minutes after Maddo gets on the field. Mm. I, I had some numbers last year. I have to dig them up. If you win that 20-minute period, 90% of times you beat Parramatta. He is so important to that footy side. And I, I'm you got to remember, too, if they move Maddo into, onto the edge, they've also lost Oregon Kafusi. So that's two of their main middles, plus Nakora. That's three of their bench guys they had last year that were really important yeah. in that rotation that are gone now. I think that they'll go for the consistency of Maddo and they'll back themselves to get something out of Murchie. Yeah. So what, like, Murch could just be the enormous winner out of this one. 100% he could. 432K. This is another one that a uh, few little birdies that we know that I can, I can find out about this one, hopefully. But, yeah, 432K, second row forward. If he's an 80-minute edge man slotting into Isaiah Papali'i's role at Parramatta outside of Mitch Moses with that buy draw, you know, all three buy-ins, whether you hold it for that long, I don't know. That's a good spot to be. It is, and Murchie, like, he has got a try in him, but his base stats, when he plays 80 minutes, it looks like he, he gets 40 base stats just about every week. Mm. So he becomes very interesting. Like, I don't think you'll make a stack stack of cash out of him. There might be better options, but I think he's interesting. Mm. Yeah. He's, uh, imagine that. Imagine, I don't know when he signed with Parra, but imagine midway through last year saying, yeah, hot property round one next year, Jack Murchie. Yeah. <laughs> Wild. But yeah, like you finally give him a halfback like Mitch Moses. Yeah. He runs a great line. And I, I like I also just love backing in a guy that's got a point to prove. Yeah, he's been he's been very good for a long time and just bounced around. Was it Canberra Raiders, and then Warriors? Is that yeah? Is that a, yeah, yeah that's spot. Yeah, but like even going to the Warriors, like I thought, oh, surely he'll get a shot here. I'd love to see him really take it with two hands. Yeah. Guys and girls, are you ready to tie the knot? But you've also worked out you're already tied up by your finances. Say I do to Pat and George helping you fund your dream wedding. Don't be that bloke that makes your missus compromise on her dress. Or more importantly, your uncle compromise on how many scooters he can polish off that night. The boys can make sure you get the cash quickly to make your special day unforgettable. Even better, if a big ceremony isn't your goal, then the boys can also help make your honeymoon a trip to remember. If there's ever a good reason for a loan, it's love. It's gotta be. So shoot them a message on their Instagram handle at Pat and George Mortgage Choice to get it sorted. You can also jump into any of the articles on the website for the email, phone contact or QR code if that's easier. Best of all, it'll save you 129 bucks on the consultation because you're a listener of the SC Playbook podcast. Um, mate, the other one at Melbourne uh, that I'm hearing is doing very well. We spoke about him yesterday, Trent Leroux. Um, had two games as a starting edge for 80 minutes in 2021. Um, 50 base in those games. It's not bad. But the rest of his scores don't really reflect yeah. that. So I don't know if that's just early days trying to prove a point, whatever it might be. Uh, another one to watch, but I think that he could come in and he could be one of the reasons why we don't own a Melbourne Storm back rower because no one really grabs it. Who knows it's what's going to happen? Yeah, fucking yep. knows. Uh, but apparently he is huge this preseason. He is he's worked hard. Um, Josh Schuster's the other one I got here, mate. Um, 
I think he's a must-have here at six. Depends how you want to make up your team, doesn't it? Yeah, it'll depend on the cheapies that emerge. Cheapies and mid-rangers, for, for that matter, in the back row. But at this stage, I'm happy to have him in my second row. Um, but, again, as long as he's there somewhere, lock him in. Most don't play out for good reason. If Bateman is named at 13, we would assume that Sean Bloor, he would take up that role on the edge. Been so talented for so long. Bad injury run after bad injury run after bad injury run. Uh, I think that I will start with Sean Bloor if he does win that edge spot. You have to. 234K, possibly an 80-minute edge back rower. Um, lock him in. Yeah. The last name I just want to mention is a guy that I'm obviously very high on, Josh Wong uh, for the Sydney Roosters. I'm not. I see a lot of people with having him on the bench. I'm not sure if he's going to be there round one. I think eventually. I think throughout this season we'll be talking about him at some point. He'll be relevant. I think during Origin you'll see him get an opportunity. And he'll score a heap of points there. But I don't know. Just I think they'll even if they do easy minute at the start of the season. I don't think he'll play huge minutes. We've seen with Robbo in the past that he will ease guys in. Yeah. Um. And then mate, when he is getting to the point where maybe he gets more minutes. Satili Tupanura will walk back into the squad. So I just, I think Josh has got tremendous potential. I think he's a guy that could be one of the better players in this competition over the next three or four years. But I just don't think March 2023 is the time for Josh. Mm. Hard, uh, hard pack to crack that one, isn't it? The Roosters. Yes. And as you said, uh, Trent Robbo with his veterans and his, his tried and tested players, a bit like Bellyache, he, he goes back to the world. He knows who he's going to get from them and, it's a hard one to crack as a young fella. And you think about that bench as it stands right now, if you start with, you know, JWH and Lodge, you've still got Lindsay Collins a year after his injury. Mm. You've got Egan Butcher. You're going to have to carry so a 14. So I just – and then the other thing as well is, uh, you know, he might get minutes as a middle forward. You've got to remember their hooker's going to come off and come back on as a middle forward, mm. as one of the best middle forwards in this competition. Yeah. So I just – you're not going to pull Angus off for a spell. I don't think you're going to pull that Butcher off for a spell. So – where do these minutes come for Wong? Yeah, I don't see it. Probably needs. He, he needs an injury or two. Yeah. And then he becomes At least super one, relevant. probably on the edge as well. There will be at some point this year I'm sitting in this chair sprucing this guy to the fucking cow. <laughs> and I can't wait for it. But it's not March 2023. Jermaine Hopkins will be averaging 85 at the time. And the rest. <laughs> um, two RFs. Uh, will we... <laughs> I think we're just about done and dusted there. There are a few dual guys that I didn't mention that I think we'll chuck into the front row forward mm. category. Um, we all good for two RFs. Anyone else you want to uh, all, all good, mate. The only other one to keep an eye on is uh, Luciano Leitalua got a pending case um, off field. So if he ends up playing round one, we will reassess at the time. Yeah, and I guess whilst you're on that, the only other one that I would say at the Cowboys, I still think Hylam Lukey could have a real breakout season. I mate, I'm I'm Highland's biggest fan. Yeah, I, uh, I like I, I thought he was better than Nanai at the start of last season, and that sounds crazy now. But I wouldn't be surprised if in five or six years we're oh. talking Highland Lukey as a. And the best the best thing is he'll because he's came back from injury, he'll really be eased into it. But could find himself in a big minute edge back row role. He's so good at some point. Yeah, like he's not cheaper. He's four hundred and fifty k. But as you said, if he comes off the bench. Drops down. Yeah. Could be interesting Thank at you. some point. Yeah. During the origin period, he could be very interesting. Bit of, he's like a more agile Sean Lane to me. Just tall, rangy back row, runs a good line. Yeah, he, he's good. He's good. I think people are sleeping on him because of Nanai's season. 
This guy is still a weapon. Yeah. Just because Nanai is really good doesn't mean someone else yeah. isn't. Can still, also be good. Can also play football, <laughs> yes. So, uh, Highland Luke, you want to keep an eye on as is Leilua if, uh, if all that, when all yeah. that gets sorted. Um, okay, front row forwards. Yep. Put your seatbelt on, Timmy. Oh, I'm strapped in. Uh, mate, let's start with the guns. And one guy I want to ask you about, I, I think you mentioned him on um, the Playbook podcast last night or the other night, Joe Tapanay. Um, almost 700K, 67 average. I was having a look at his stats. It took him six weeks to actually hit his season average. So he started yeah. slow. Yeah. Uh, was tremendous after that. He only scored two tries. Can he do it again? <clears throat> yes, he can. We always knew that given once he, he finally won over Ricky Stewart and he got minutes on board that he could be an animal. Uh, so started last year with a 57-point average in – what do we got here? 57-point average across 48 minutes, first 10 rounds. The next nine games, he went on to average 82.8 with just one try. <laughs> it then went into that last few games of the season where he had rib cartilage issues and that flared up a bit, got a few limited minutes here and their output was a bit reduced. But at his best, I think we're looking at 82.8, that 82.8 number as an average with one try. So... I'm so heavy on you know, like not really starting with gun front rolls and paying up at the start of the season because I, I know I, I say this a fair bit, but they just don't hurt you. Yeah. Um, the, the best that they can do is like a hundred sort of score. Joey Taps, I think he's the exception to this. He could hurt you, whether that's by busting out scores of 130 or 140 or just averaging 85. Like, he can do it. Yeah. So, look, I'll stick to my guns and <laughs> – Barring a real lack of other front row options, which we we may get that, um, I won't start with him. But oh god, I, I can see why people attempted. Uh, we were lucky enough to be invited last year out to a Canterbury Bulldogs game with our good mate uh, Darusi, who's been on the show before. And I met you at the train. Do you, do you remember what I'm about to say? Oh, I met you at the train station, and the Canberra Raiders were playing at the time. Yep. And you didn't have Tapane and I did at the time. Yeah. And I remember seeing you about 60 metres away on the on the um, Rib injury. platform. And you, you, I just saw you go, fuck, 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 fuck. And I thought, ooh, Tapane scored. Good. <laughs> I opened my phone and he'd just throw it a three-man cut. That's right. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. And you, you were throwing your hands in the air. There was air going everywhere. And I thought, ooh, good, Tapane's done something. I like that. that did he, yeah, look, went, went wide there. Yeah, sort of three-man cut out for a try. I was like... That's just taking the piss. Didn't even have my phone. I just knew what happened. Oh. And then we got to we got to the pub after that. This is this is another call I wish I got on the podcast. You remember what, what I said to you when we walked in? This game was closed. I said Hudson Young will score the match winner here. Oh. About ten minutes later, he grubbed through for himself. Didn't have a punt on it. I was fucking filthy. Yeah. What, what a try that was, though. Big day out for you that one. That was a, that was a lot that yeah. day. That was, that was quite a bit. Um, so, yeah, Joe Tappanay, I'm not going to start with him. But I'm not going to stand here and tell you he can't do God, it God, no. no. Yeah, not a chance. It, it actually terrifies me not starting with him. I just think, you know, he got those bigger minutes as the year went on. Coming off a big World Cup, I think there's every chance he – I mean, it, he's based on a 66-point average. That's the thing. Like, yeah. he does need to do a lot more to improve on that from the word go. So, yeah, I think – Good luck to you if you're starting with him. Uh, I'll be a nervous onlooker. And worst case scenario, at least if he's belting him, it'll be good for my Raiders. So, Mate, uh, another guy that I 
I, I, I probably didn't appreciate him enough last season, what he was doing. Big Tino. I was in the exact same boat. I mate. looked at his numbers and went, oh, yeah. fuck. 704K, 67 average. Mate, the last three weeks of last year, he went 90, 107, and 70. And I don't think he scored a try in that time. Yeah, he finished on fire, didn't he? I think probably playing at the Titans and then origin duties and all that sort of thing, he just, there was never a time where he was a relevant buy, but they just slide under the radar. But I also think with him, he improved at the back end of the season. Mm. I think that's got to have something to do with Aaron Clark moving to 13 and him just being put in the front yeah. row and just letting him go. So um, I think he has to play. He did 60- play big minutes in those games, 68, 80, 69 minutes, so big minutes. Would it shock you, though, if he plays those sort of minutes? Not really, because they're not exactly littered with forwards. Points per minute, he's 1.13. Well, that's the sign, isn't it? It's that, and again, I need to double-check this, but based on just the, the small snippet of the last three games, nearly every player in NRL Supercoach history, with, when minutes go up, the PPM drops. He obviously doesn't fall off the face of the earth yeah. too much. And I mean, if I'm looking at the Gold Coast Titans front row next year, who's stealing massive minutes off yeah. him? Like if Mo gets back to his best... Sure, but we don't know if he will. Like, like Tino's obviously the guy there. He's the captain at about 14 years of age. Like, he's going to be the guy for a long time. <laughs> I think he's going to play huge minutes there. So, he's not a guy – like, I'm, I'm not going to spend 700K in my front row forward. But, fuck, if There's you are going to spend there. some money there and you don't want Joe Tapano, you don't trust he's going to yeah. do it again. Tino's interesting. Yep. Clemmer, um, no thanks. No. There's too many mouths there at the Tigers, isn't there? And he's just boring. Just a – no, he's not boring. He's super coach scoring. He's boring. He just gets awesome base every week. And I'm like, oh, yeah, he's averaged 70 for the season, but didn't have a score of 71 or of 69 or anything else. It was just He scored 70 every week. I'm like, yeah. that bores me. Might be a little quote tile this week. He's yeah, boring. Yeah, um, please do not do that. But, yeah, I agree with you, mate. I don't I do not interest. need David Glenn seeing that, <laughs> especially out of context. Um, Payne Haas. Interesting one here, mate. I know you guys spoke about him last night. Um Oh, I might just throw this to you. What do you reckon? Oh, was the old guru, OG guru, Tommy Sangster brought it up. Wish guru. <laughs> it was a simple point. It was just that because he's got all this off-field stuff going on that we will not go into, people, I think, may avoid him and think, oh, you know, he's held to be in another place. How does he perform on field? Which means we get arguably the best front rower in Supercoach, maybe give or take taps at the moment. In pod range, Um, you mentioned possibly a bit of a lack of front rollers at the Broncos to start the season. Uh, If Tommy Flegler did end up going south to Manly, well, that'd be significant as well. But Payne has to someone that if there wasn't the off-field stuff going on, he's such an easy plug-and-play for the year, isn't he? Because he's so consistent. I will say, last year, you and I both started without him. First seven rounds, he averaged 75.8. And, geez, we caught a bit of grief, didn't we? Why yeah. haven't you got hash yet? Why aren't you doing this? And it was that same logic of I don't pay out for front rows early on in the season because I don't think they hurt me. And he was borderline hurting me with a 75.8 average, but not much. In the remaining 14 games of the season, he had one score over 65. Mm. Wow. So that's where I'm just like, I don't like paying up for them. Yeah. Um, Yes, but I do think as a result of these sort of things, he, he might start as a bit of a pod and oh, he's so good. He's so, so good. I, I don't 
I won't do it, but I can see why you would. Yeah, it's understandable. Your boy, well, formerly my boy, you, you've you've taken him off me this pre-season, <laughs> which I'm a bit filthy about. Yeah, he really. You caught... gotta let him go from under the wing sometimes. Yeah, I, he really caught my eye when he killed it for the Maroons three games in a row, and yeah, I just thought this bloke's got something about him. Something about him, yeah. Confirmed you were told seven months. Anyway, uh, Ruben Cotter. I didn't think I knew you at the time, so oh, happiest life was fucking happiest bliss. months of my life. Six hundred and twenty-three k. Um, 59 average, Ruben Cotter. Uh, I've just got written here. He could be a 70-point guy. Yeah, we had a good yarn with him early on in the season, priced on a preseason, I should say, priced on a 59-point average, played the first six games last year off the bench. I think we said we see him playing 65 to 70-minute role for the Cowboys this season. There were some injury-affected games in his 59 average last year. He had one try and no assist, based 54 available, as I said, in the front row forward position that I don't really like anyone else. Um, he's one that I see one try and no assist and go, he's so good, they'll come. They'll come. So I've got him locked in. Now, mate, we've just gone through Cotter, Haas, Clemmer, Tino, mm. Tapanay. I think if you're fair income, you can only own one of those guys. Mm. I think you'd, well, I don't know, maybe. Maybe you see it differently, but I think you'd be wild yeah. to own more than one of those. Um, now we get into the hairy shit. Yeah. The uh, everyone else league. And I honestly, I don't know what the right answer here is. You're looking it's, for that gold, but it's all fool's gold. You yeah. scratch it and it's just shit underneath. You're just, you're just hoping that it it doesn't, it doesn't fuck you over. That's all you're hoping for. And it's, it's so funny, like these mid-tier front rowers. It's amazing how important they are. Oh, mate, heaps important. You just need to find that bloke who they don't even necessarily have to improve much and earn that much coin. It's just, just hold your own early on till I can afford and have the cash generation to upgrade you to a gun. Yeah, and there's, you know, this next little category, these sort of mid-range front row forwards, uh, they range from 512k to 455. They are Luke Thompson, Corey Horsburgh, Tom Gilbert, Dan Safidi, Lindsay Collins. Mm. Anyone else you want to throw into that sort of bunch there you can add them as we go anyway but yeah i i had sort of listed down yeah so feedy welch hamlin ueli utakamanu raiders back row rotation yeah horsburgh gula whoever lands that they're all they're all just a minute watch they're a bench round one makeup watch all these sorts of things trials I think waiting to see which cheap is emerged, but I think that you want at least one, maybe two of these five or six yep. mid-rangers, uh, and then hopefully we get more cheapies that come. But let's start with... If Luke. cheapies don't emerge, you're probably going to need two in this price bracket. Yeah. Let's start with Luke Thompson, mate. 512k, 48 average last year. Um, would it be fair to say out of this group he's probably the best footballer? He is, Yep. But super coach wise, I don't know, and mate, I, I don't know if I'm overlooking it, but I I found it interesting that he didn't play much footy last year. Not sure what was going on there. There's rumours of you know homesickness and whatever. Canterbury named six guys in their leadership group the other day. One being Max King. Luke Thompson wasn't one of them. Yeah, what's going on there? And you know what? Maybe Luke Thompson is a guy that they went to, and he just said, you know what? I've had a lot going on. I just want to concentrate on me and myself. There's other guys that can do that role. Quite possibly that happened. He might he might have said, I I want to go where. where? Throwing it out, they might have said, I want to go home in the next year or two and, and get back to family or whatever. So I don't want it. Who knows? So I find that interesting. Yeah. That that says to me that Max King at least plays as many minutes as he did last year, potentially gets a little boost. Mm. Um, and then, you know, you mentioned the other day how much Serraldo loves Andrew Davey, how well yeah. he's going. But 
I don't think he'll be starting on an edge. So he probably comes off the bench. They're paying a mozza for Tavita Pango Jr. So they've got to find a way to use him. I just, minutes is a little bit of a worry with me with Luke Thompson. Bit of chat that Raymond Fatala Mariner uh, makes a bit of a move to the middle this year. It might be okay. like he might start on an edge early and move into the middle a bit like sort of what Maddo done for the Eels at times. If so, same problem. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, uh, and another one with when he's got the minutes there, his base can be good enough to sort of, I said, at the price point, you could plug a hole for you early on, but there's very little upside there. And then when there's a bit of a query over minutes, I, uh, I can't go there. Uh, I might throw to you for this one, mate, 505K, which people would probably think is a little bit overs for this guy. But Corey Horsburgh, if he gets the minutes, he's a tremendous super coach player. He gets through so much fucking work. I think we always look at Corey Horsburgh and go, oh, he's a hothead. He gets suspended, do this. He's a workhorse. Yeah. And if, you, if you're worried about his uh, his fitness and how many minutes can the big boy get, he used to be a gun AFL player back in the day. And he, uh, yeah, absolute gun AFL player. So, mate... He's uh he's got the he's got the right organs there to to go the distance so he can last big red. Uh, look back to 2020, average 56 minutes per game and 51 minutes per game. 2022, 43 minutes per game, which if he starts at lock, I think he increases on this season. Obviously that Adam Elliott vacancy at lock. So if he's the one to win out, the best thing about him, <coughs> pardon me, and the thing that I look for in a, in a front rower. I want an off-load. Red hair. Yeah. <laughs> I want the reddest, fieriest of hair and the palest of skin. I want an offloading front rower. Yeah. Because there's plotters out there who will get their base. I want the bloke that can get those cheap points. Even on a quiet day, he gets three or four offloads. On a great day, there might be six or seven offloads. Clemmer at stages was doing that where he just offload, offload, and then he was told to put it away. I don't know why. Uh, but, yeah, Big Red has a terrific offload on him. And I think he has to be at 13, as you said. Mm. The only thing that makes me nervous is that if he, even if he's named at 13 round one, it's just Ricky Stewart rule, mm. and it could change yep. at any given moment. And there's young guys there that it could do it. There's older guys there that could do it. You could just go with a power forward game as well. So I just, yeah. He, I, yeah, he's a bloke that just... You'll be guiding me on this one. Yeah, yeah. Well, everything, if everything went to plan, he could easily average 55, let's say 55 minutes a season per game. Yeah. Get through the year unscathed injury wise, be offloading two to four times a game, an average sixty, and you look to upgrade more year and there's other issues and you never need to, and he just sits in your team averaging fifty five. Max Max King is last year. Um so yeah, I'll be keeping a big eye on him. If he comes out and plays decent trial minutes and he's offloading a lot, which I suspect he will be. Look, I don't think I'll start with him, but he's a watch. Um and the next one who people are very, very excited about, I've seen a lot of people locking them into his team, and I can understand why, Tom Gilbert. Mm. Arriving at the Dolphins, um, the forward pack, uh, you know, it's, it's an ageing pack. The the middles are Mark Nichols, Jesse Bromwich, and you would assume Tom Gilbert. He's an origin player arriving there. Um, I just, I find it strange how much confidence people have in, how many minutes this guy is going to play when we haven't seen this team play. And his coach is Wayne Bennett, who traditionally super coach forwards don't do overly well under Wayne. He tends to share minutes. He does also doesn't like them offloading too often. He's yeah. very conservative. Very conservative. And I think that if Cody Nicarim is on the bench, fills me with a little bit more confidence. Mm. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I just... 
I wonder if there's just better options around. He doesn't excite me, mate. He what so with Kafusi and Bromwich there on the edges, we expect him to play in the middle rotation. He averaged fifty eight minutes last season. Granted there were some obviously bigger minute games on the edge for the Cowboys. I don't know. Again, I just I'm not that keen on Dolphins players. Um I don't know how much upside is there. He's coming off injury. Oh, I'm just not inspired. The, the the thing that has helped his cause for me is that I I thought that the Dolphins would keep you and Aitken on the bench, so they mm-hmm. had a bit of punch. He's now playing center. Yeah, mate, it leaves them very thin with forwards. Like I, I think you'll have Ray Stone as one of the guys on the bench probably, and then you'll have to go with two middles. Who honestly, off the top of my head, I can't even think who they would be for the Dolphins. Yeah. So, um. I can just see him averaging around that 47 to 50, 47 of last year to 50 points per game and just sit there and not really achieve anything. And if he does, anyone who jumped on will be like, okay, cool. He's he's done a job in the early stages, as we said, before you can upgrade him to a genuine gun, and that'd be okay. But I'm also like, I see probably a little more upside in a few other place, players around this mid-range price point that I prefer... And if they flop and Gilbert fires, sideways trade, not the end of the world. Yeah, can deal with it. Yeah. yeah. I just I just think with the new club and not knowing, I just think it's a bit of a pun under Wayne. But um, Daniel Saifiti, 484K, uh, no Clemmer. This is, you know, he's, he's obviously got those big scores in him. I just think, we spoke about it the other day, him just becoming the alpha in this side. Mm. He's got a lift, doesn't he? I hope. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't he? Tell me he does. <laughs> He's in my team. He has it. Uh, probably 46 average last year, 59 prior to that, 63 prior to that. The interesting thing was his minutes didn't really drop last year. Like he averaged 50 for, for his score to drop off so much. And maybe you could argue that the nights were ordinary and there was less ball in play. I don't know. But he averaged 52 minutes per game. So is he going to play more than that this year? Probably not. So Clemagorn, he might, he might, he might grab an extra five or so. Yeah, but like for a because there's no one else there. Maybe yeah, and, and like Clem at times played some bigger minutes, and maybe he has to play some more minutes. But if he plays five to ten more minutes, does his PPM drop? I don't know. He he could be the guy, and we've seen glimpses in the past of being a borderline gun in the front row position, yeah. but they've never lasted. Something always comes up with Dan Sofidi. You can find an injury. Um, I can see the case, but. Probably not. I just think there's one of Dan Saifidi or Adam Elliott that I think is going to do really well this year with getting a few extra David Clemmer minutes. I'm not sure which one it'll be because you look at their bench, mate. There's nothing doing. I think Ads Elliott probably gets more Clemmer minutes, but yeah. And again, Dan yeah, Saifidi, I wouldn't push back. On yeah, that, and yeah. then but like Dan, and that's probably more based on he already averaged 52 last year. But you know, he's an Origin prop, a former Origin prop, so maybe maybe he's the guy. Lindsay Collins, 455K. He's the cheapest of these five or six guys that we're looking at. 43 average. Uh, second year back from injury. Uh, you know, when he had that injury, he was flying for Queensland. Mm. It was looking like one of the better front rowers in the competition. Um, no Takiaho, He's left. But once again, cheese through the middle. He'll, I think he'll play decent minutes towards the back end. Uh, in saying that, Rhea Hargraves isn't getting younger. Maybe they do expect more out of Lindsay Collins this year. I can... I can see why people find him appealing, but I just – I don't think he's going to be a starting front row. And when he is, I, like, I don't know if he's going to average more than 55, which is still a 12-point jump. Yeah. 
Yeah, but I, I'm not confident he gets 55. Yeah, I don't particularly like any of the, the, the Roosters middles. And the other name we throw in there is Matt Lodge, who... Yeah. Robbo obviously has Train and trial, best of luck to him. Yeah, yeah, Hope yeah. it all works out for him. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. Hopefully the big fella Jags a contract. So, like, we know Matt Lodge is a big minute forward. We know he's a very good footballer. So, I think he's going to slot in there and play some pretty decent minutes. Like, Matt Lodge is, like... Because he's technically on the train and trial and what is he still on that? I think he is. Yeah, what's going on there? Some ah, oh, just roosters, roosters being roosters, and Matt Lodge knows you can trust them. And yeah, yeah. Likes two minute noodles. So yeah, exactly. So like, Matty Lodge is a bloke that played at the Roosters. We know he's got fifty five, sixty minutes in him. He probably doesn't in this side at the moment, but like he's a smoky down the track. How on earth is anyone living in the eastern suburbs of Sydney on a train and trial? Wild, isn't it? I don't know how he does it. <laughs> yeah, he's he's resilient. He's <laughs> He's done well for himself. <laughs> um, all right, now we're sort of out of that category. Is there anyone else in that sort of price bracket that you'd like to throw in there? Uh, As you probably noted, guys, we've gone through all these guys and we've pretty much got no answers for yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. Right uh, Christian Welch, priced on forty-four point average. Average 59 points per game the season prior. Not a lot of middle depth at the Storm. Obviously coming off a lengthy injury, but as you've pointed out, with a few guys that got injured very early on last season, they've had ample time to get themselves right. I don't mind Christian Welch. Big trial watch. The big watch for me with him is he's been his best when he's had the license to offload. And when he does, he can pump them out. And like he could be the perfect guy. I, I'm I am expecting the Melbourne Storm this year to play a lot more second phase footy. Mm. So he could be I think him and Nelson, which whenever Nelson offloads it all it always really fucking worries me, but Welsh is very consistent in that department. So uh yeah, he's another one that the st- I, I think I, I he's one guy that in trials I'll be watching him very, very closely. Yeah, like he's one that I don't know what sort of ownership's sitting around at the moment, but 460, 464K. So he enticed me. So that 2021 year where he averaged 59. That 15%. Was 15%. So that was at 52 minutes per game, 59 points per game, basing 47. I don't mind Welchie. I want to watch him first. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I, mate, I could end up with any of two of those six guys mm. or I could end up with any of none of those six guys and I wouldn't be shocked either yeah. way. So we'll see how it plays out. A um, little bit cheaper, guys, 342K. Emre Gula um, gets through a lot of work as well. Very similar to Corey Hawes, but just a lot cheaper. <laughs> if he gets an opportunity there, he's someone to definitely keep an eye on. Any any comments on Gula? Yeah, doesn't probably have the the offloading upside of and probably a bit less of a work. Oh, not necessarily lesser work rate than Horsburgh, but yeah, it doesn't really offload. But 160k cheaper is the thing. So he's priced on a 33 point average from 36 minutes last season. If he starts at lock, plays you know 50 55 plus, possibly ambitious, but you never know. There's upside there. Two seasons prior, average 47 points in 43 minutes, 48 points in 42 minutes. So if we can get him to 50 minutes. Genuine option. Yeah, very Again, interesting. Ricky Stewart rule out the issue, but he's pretty cheap. Yeah. Jack Hetherington's been a real popular guy, 266K. Um, I say a lot of people thinking that he will play edge. I can almost guarantee you he will not. I th- He will play as a middle forward this year. Uh, but 
regardless of that, mate, it's the 266K that makes him appealing, doesn't it? He's very cheap. Um, but he also isn't a great scorer traditionally. Never has been. Yeah. Like, he's a madman out there, as we know, which brings its own issues. So we've got Saifidi brothers, Adam Elliott in the middle rotation, can play on an edge if required, but obviously not expected to. A little bit light on in the middles, maybe. Uh, just He's just not much of a scorer there. Yeah, I mean, mate, it, it's I'm, the only reason why I would consider him is because he is so cheap, but don't buy into this playing edge dribble. He's not. He's, yeah. he's going to be playing in the middle. They need middle fours. That's where it will be. We're so. thinking Brody Jones on the edge with Frizz, or where do we reckon it'll be? No, I think they'll go Fitzy. They, they, they do they love, love their fit. Yeah. Yeah, okay. I wish my mother loved me as much as Newcastle loved Fitzy. <laughs> That'd be unreal. <laughs> Uh, so, yeah, I, I think it will be Fitzgibbon yep. there. Um, so, Jack Hetherington. Eh. Stefano. This is probably the most interesting one out of all these guys, that if we get to a trial, mm. hopefully trials, and we can see Stefano is looking good, I know that there's a lot of mouths to feed there. Clem is arriving. I still think that Stefano could do much better than average 30 fucking points next year. Yeah, 30 points in 33 minutes. Uh, 2021, 52 points in 45 minutes. Last eight games of that season, 66 points per game. He has some try scoring upside as a front rower. Bagged six tries back in 2021. Yeah, I keep saying it, but big trial watch. Yeah, If he comes out and looks good and looks fit and damaging, I don't see too much risk in going with him. Um, yeah, if he looks good, I'll probably put him in my team. I think he's a guy too that I'd be happy to, you know, start with one of these slightly more consistent but more expensive guys. And if Stefano is killing it, I'm happy to spend a trade there. Yeah, and go down to him. And an easy one to do. Yeah, very easy. Um, Harm Sello is another interesting one. Mark Nichols gone at South Sydney, thirty average last year, three hundred and twelve k. Harm Sello, I think he is such a good footballer. Mm. And it happens every single year. He puts together four weeks of really good footy, niggling injury. Out for three weeks. Comes back in. Four weeks of really good footy, niggling injury. Uh, if he can just get consistent rugby league under his belt, I think Harm Saleh could be a guy that off that bench could get decent minutes. Yeah, so he averaged 35. No, sorry, that was 2021. He averaged 35 minutes. Sorry, I'll get him up for next year. But what's best case scenario with his minutes, do you think? Well, I think that Totola and Burgess start up front. Mm. I think he's the third choice front row, which you know, as we all know, throughout the season, he'll he'll start here and there. Um, I think he could be a forty-minute guy potentially. Thirty-minute, twenty-eight minutes last year, thirty-five minutes the year before. In that increase in minutes, or I should say, decrease, there was a twelve-point drop in average. So, mm-hmm. yeah, if he can get into the forty, if he can get to forty minutes. If they have an injury in the front row, if Burgess gets suspended, injures Tatola, yeah. I think he'll become very interesting. I think that I've got Davy Mowali on this list, who I love, but I still think South Sydney are easing him in. I think Harm Sellers in for a very big year. I, my, I personally thought he had a massive year last year for South Sydney. I thought he was really underappreciated for them, but I think that he could become more relevant uh, as this season moves. Yeah, um, not one that I'd really consider, but mate, all the points are valid, and I think. Bench makeup's a big one. Yeah. Do they go a four forward bench with Saliba Havili on there? Do they? He, he's the pain in the ass. He is. He? He he's a real pain in the ass. Where if they had Mamazellas there, completely different conversation. Yep. But they also, you know, they 
I, I wouldn't surprise me if Tane ends up on that bench. And he, yeah. And he could play middle, which definitely. wouldn't really change anything. And, and we won't know that until round two. So I just, yeah, if they go the four forward bench, that hurts a lot, but could be a shout. Havili really fucks it, doesn't he? He really does. He's a real, yeah. How dare he go and be good at football? Uh, yeah, but I think especially Cook re signed for two years. So, I mean, if they're going to start to bring Mamazellas in, I think it'll probably be next year. And, like, you've got Havili there as another middle forward. Like, you don't, you don't need yeah. Mamazellas. Yeah, I agree. So, yeah, Harm Selle is very dependent on that. This guy, I think, as it stands right now, he could be fantastic for us. It is Sean Kepi. If Flegler or they don't get another front row forward joins there at 274K, priced at a 25 average with fucking... It's Josh Alloyer, Jake Trojevic, and no one. It's yeah, Paseca and Kepi. I, I, I think that he could really jump up this year, Kepi, and make some good yeah, coins. Yeah, you look at the front row and you go, there's almost got to be someone coming in, doesn't there? So... Yeah, again... As it stands right as it, now. As it stands yeah. right now. what he Last season, he averaged 32 minutes. Only issue, I suppose, is not much of a worker. 26 points in 32 minutes last year. The season before, he averaged 40 minutes. Sorry, 47 minutes for 40 points. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know... I mean, he's cheap, yes, but I don't know if he's got the work rate to him. But Yeah, yeah, fair. But, I mean, if he can get up to a 40-point average, which he's done in the past in those minutes, that's still like 130K Yeah, for where you are, and you're not, you're not spending overs on him either. I, yeah, I've, I've always liked him um, as a player as well, so I might be a little bit biased there, but oh, I think he's got potential this year. David Moali, we spoke about him, bench rotation. Um, Canberra Raiders, your young fella. I've been talking Trey Mooney this whole time. There are other options there, isn't there? Yeah. Adam Mariotti, uh, New South Wales Cup Player of the Year last season. So having a big preseason, I think at this stage we'd expect probably Trey Mooney to get the bench spot there. But uh, from a Supercoach perspective, both he and Arta are at the same price point, about 234K. We'll see where that one ends up. Round one, the competition for that last bench spot is an issue because how many minutes you get in this Raiders pack. So if, if they're dirt cheap, that's all good and well. But if you're playing 20 minutes, you're not really going to make money. They're both good attacking forwards and they have attacking stats in them, which is a bonus. I just wonder if they're going to be the slowest of slow burns and probably need an injury to get more game time, whoever ends up being there. Yeah. Mm. Uh, mate, <laughs> the highest owned front row forward right now. Who do you reckon it is? Pele? Yeah, Pele. Really? Yeah. Now, this is something I want to talk about. I'm not convinced Pele <laughs> will be in this Canterbury team. I hope he is. I'm not convinced he will be. Mm. Um, I go through the list, mate. Pele, Stefano, Cotter, Hetherington, Tapanay, Gilbert, Haas, Mowali, Welsh, Saifidi. They're the top 10. <clears throat> Number 11, which I want to talk to you about, is Viliami Fafita from the Manly Seagulls. Uh, I don't think he'll be in this side. But he's dual position to our front row forward. He's 10% owned. I reckon a lot of people are looking at just nothing. A front row forward position there. What are your thoughts on that? Nothing in round one. Like, 
Are people looking at front row forward going, it's too fucking hard, I don't know, this will give me a loop option every week? I'll tell you something straight away. If they're thinking VC, loop, auto-emergency, bloody vice-captain loophole, whatever, we've got buys this year. Yep. Nearly always going to have a player. If it's not a player injured or suspended, you should have someone on the buy. So nuffs take a bit of different... I go on every single year about having depth in squads for as long as possible because you will need it through origin in the back end of the year and avoiding nuffs until at least at least the origin period. This year, more than ever with the buys, if you've got four blokes from one team, they're on the buy, and then all of a sudden there's a couple of injuries and a couple of suspensions, and then you've got two nuffs in your team, it's just like, well, guess who doesn't have 17 plays this week? So no, no, no room for nuffs for me. Is the name Viliami Fafita the most scariest Whole, name I, of all time? Dear Lord. That's terrifying. I understand why he's at 10%. Yeah. I get it. People are just thinking, well, why not? If this bloke is a hybrid of <laughs> We're kick out those Fafita. two names. Love that. Yeah. Uh, mate, the last guys, last well, guys I want to mention, you've also got Payne Haas and Tino's little brother. They're at the Gold Coast Titans. Mm. Potential of them to grab a bench spot. They're both at bottom dollar. They could be – I hope one of them presents themselves. That would be unreal. That would solve a lot of problems. But, uh, mate, that is front row forward. I think a lot of it's going to come down to running our eye over trials and keeping a close mm. eye on performances and whatnot. There are other guys here like uh, Ben murdoch Masillas at 7% ownership, 230K at the Dragons. I've got to tell you, I don't know if he gets over 23 points. Yeah, exactly. I'm very – I, I don't think that's an answer. Spencer Lean News here at 8% ownership. Mm-hmm. Braden hamlin Ueli. He's priced on a 35-point average, average 46. That was back in 2019, bagged a few tries. Come back from injury, but a bit light up. I shouldn't say light on up front, but maybe some minutes down the track. But, mate, it's all just a trial watch for these front rows and they're, they're game time. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see where we end up with. Gun to head, will Ruben Cotter be in your one, round one side? I think he's pretty well locked in, to be honest. Yeah, yeah I like That's him right. a lot. All right, beautiful, mate. Done and dusted. Love your work. Oh, good. Uh, guys, we will be back next Wednesday, 3 p.m. for another episode of Beers and Breakevens. Trial starting 24 hours after that. Oh. How good. And if you are a – obviously, you're all super coach players. If you're a draft player next Thursday night, I'll be having uh, Nadia Mooker from the Weekly Rubdown in here uh, to do our draft show, our monthly draft show. So that'll be fun. Clear up some Pat Carrigan stats that uh, it's a bit of a – that was a fun few minutes, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. That's probably our worst we've had. It'd be nice of someone else to carry you for a show. <laughs> Thanks for joining us again, guys. Uh, Blue Wealth Property, major sponsor. Uh, Tony's going to be joining us over the next few weeks for a major announcement, as we said. Bloke in a bar. you got about 30 hours or something along those lines left of his 50% off sale for 50 hours. It kicked off last night at 6 p.m. So make sure you go in there and grab yourself some gear. Cheers, legends. We'll see you next week.